We've been going through this series called Heaven on Earth. And we, we've been really excited about going through this Advent series. It's very different for us because normally there's only really two chapters in the Bible, two, maybe three chapters in the Bible that talk about Christmas. And we, every year, need to spend four weeks on that chapter. And what do you talk about? But we've been talking about heaven coming down upon earth and meeting people where they need to be met. When we celebrate Christmas morning tomorrow, when you're ripping out presents and you're looking at gift cards and you're thinking about what can I get on Amazon by Thursday, the actual time was to celebrate God. If we really celebrated Christmas correctly, the actual altar in the church in all the country would be filled with gifts because that's what Christmas would be about, giving gifts to God. I don't know where it switched, but I know that what happened is somebody said, well, since we're to love other people, we should give gifts. And, you know, I love giving gifts, but I really love giving God everything. That's what Christmas is about. It's a time to celebrate that a moment in time where heaven came down upon earth to live with normal man and woman. He was born of a virgin and here's the thing. How do we know it's true? There's a lot of, any skeptics in the room? Don't raise your hand if you're here. You know who you are. You're already skeptic. Why is he asking me to raise my hand? But the Bible predicted it. And how do you know if things are really true? If somebody says something today and it comes true, you're like, no, that person's pretty smart. We see this 700 years prior. We see this in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3.15. We see this, and then when it comes true, you have to weigh it differently than just some average Joe saying something about something else. But the problem is, in life, we weigh other people's opinion more than actually Scripture and what, what has really been said and done. And we see this child that has come down on earth. And this is the, probably one of my favorite Scriptures, not because I like to read it, but what it says. It says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Kind of really meditate for a second what this says. It says, instead, he, God, gave up his divine privilege, and he took a hum humble position as a slave. Why would he call him a slave? When we live on this earth... We are a slave to this world unless we put Christ first and then we are a slave to him and then we get to serve him. He says he took a humble position as a slave and he was born a human being. When heaven came to live on this earth, he faced the same struggles, the same trials and the same fears that I did and I do. For me, that's the most comforting part about heaven on earth. Because here's the thing, I don't give people a lot of street credibility or for if you're a kid under 30, street cred. I'll explain that to you guys later. You guys get it? Because you want, you know, when I was in college, I, the, the professors are like, uh, if you're a teacher, please for, just kind of block out everything I'm going to say for the next few minutes. I didn't really like the teachers that didn't have uh, um, Real-world experience. They've been an educator their whole life, and there's nothing wrong with being that. But the ones that I really grabbed a hold of was the ones that were talking about, oh, six years ago I worked here, and I had questions about what it looked like. And so Jesus came into this world, and he said, I'm not just going to be a God that you're supposed to worship and honor and, and, and celebrate and give to and, and, and give all your life to. I'm going to actually live like you do for 33 years. And then I'm going to die an innocent man 
And if you believe in that and you trust in that, I will give you life and life to the fullest. And I will take away the worry and the struggle that you have in life. He probably won't take away your trials and your issues. But as you walk through life, he will take away those struggles, uh, the struggles that you have mentally. I love, I love that about God. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about heaven coming on earth and, and, and the fear that we have. Do you guys realize how often people have fear in this world, especially when you talk about God? We are so afraid to talk about God today, it's unbelievable. Even at church, sometimes we have to go, can you really say that at church? And we're not talking about inappropriate stuff, we're talking about stuff about God. Because even in church, our enemy out there has made church not a safe place to talk about God. Today we're going to talk about living life with our struggles, with our fears, and our trials with God before us and in them. And hopefully that will make sense. You know what I want to do is I want to start, um, we have this memory verse. It's Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, and it's in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm just going to recite it, and if you're able to stand, let's stand. Let's honor God by lifting up uh, him above all things. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, it starts out this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just stop and pray. Lord, we come before you right now. We take our life and everything in it. And we ask, Lord, that you speak to us in that moment. Those fears, those trials, those struggles, Lord, we invite you into them. Those joys and those moments of happiness, we thank you for those, Lord. But Lord, right now I ask for that one person tonight that's riddled with fear, that's paralyzed in life because of fear, that they will hear something, then we'll take it in, and they will bring you into that fear, and they will experience freedom. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We claim you above all people. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. Not a very normal Christian, uh, Christian or Christmas message to talk about fear on Christmas, but really the best thing that you can do is clean up yourself tonight so that the Christmas day will be powerful and the rest of the year will finish strong. We in this church, on the staff, we always want to finish strong. Finish strong during worship, finish strong in the messages, and finish the year strong giving everything that we can. And we do that by offering ourselves before God and saying, do a great work in us. So that's what we want. You know, when God came upon earth and he lived for 33 years, he did something for us. Not only did he die and, and, and raise again so that we may have salvation, that's life everlasting if you trust in Jesus. But he also said, listen, if you follow me and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and read my word, I will walk with you throughout your day. And throughout your week and throughout your life, and I will engage your issues. And even though I might not, God says this, even though I might not fix them the way that you want to fix them, I will be in them, and I will make them work for the glory of God. The only reason why I know that happens is because that's what happened to me. Every day, every struggle that I had 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago comes up in ministry, and God uses that to someone else's life. And what it does is it gives them a little bit of peace. They're going, Jeff, 
your life was so jacked up, it makes me feel so good about myself. <laughs> you know how often I get that? That's actually really true. That's a true story. You know, in the Old Testament, there's this place, it's this guy, this guy prophet, his name was Isaiah, and he's one of the ones that predicted Jesus coming, Isaiah 53. But as Isaiah 41, as he's speaking to Israel, and he's speaking to God's children, and we talk about Israel today, we talk about all God's chosen. The chosen one is Israel, but really God's children. He's speaking to a place of help. He wants to help. God wants to help you in your life. A lot of times we feel distant from God and we don't feel connected and so there's great fear and we don't think he's helping. But the truth is God wants to help. And here's what we see. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. It says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged from, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Now a lot of times you're like, what's so victorious about his right hand? For Christians, this is a moment of victory. For someone else, it's like, well, I'm left-handed. What do I care about his right hand? But the truth is, as we understand God for who he really is, he's a God of love, he's a God of care, and he's a God that wants to invite you into all. He wants to be invited into all of your situations. Don't be afraid. Here's how I learned it. I learned it in the New King James when I was going to uh, Bible college. It said, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. For I am with you. In the, in the New Testament, we call him Emmanuel because he is with us. The problem is most of, them, most of us don't feel him on a regular basis. Most of us feel distance in space. We feel like he's not working or moving. And because of that, we have fear. Christmas to me is riddled with fear. Because we're trying to appease everybody else. Oh, we've got to get gifts for them, and we've got to invite them, and we've got to make sure everybody's happy. We invite those nagging friends or family members over every year and try to sit on the opposite side of the table. Are any of them here today? <laughs> everybody's doing this. But I want to talk about fear today. Here's how I learned about fear. And I just want to give you a little bit of wisdom on fear before we go to wherever we're going tonight. We're going to have tamales at my house. But here's fear, and here's what it says. False evidence appearing real. I learned this a long time ago, and I want to give this to the church. A lot of times when we think about fear, it's false evidence appearing real. And what that means is this. I believe this to be true. But 99% of the time, it doesn't come out the way that I think it is. And I fear this false evidence. How often, do, I, I do want to see your hand. How many people are warriors in this room? Whoa, you guys need Jesus. <laughs> so if we have a group of warriors, almost 50, 60% of the church raised their hand, if you didn't see that. What it means to God is that you believe in a lot of false evidence that's really not real. You don't really trust in a God. You don't really trust in the circumstances, and you don't let God play them out. If you're worrying and you're struggling with it, you're really not giving up control. And really worrying is about controlling if you really think about it. You're worrying because you want to be in control. False evidence appearing real is saying, I believe this, and over time it really is something different. God wants this minister to all of us. And really, I think there's one person in here that needs to hear the message. We all can get something from it, but there's someone here that is struggling. 
And so if you're here and you're, it's ringing loud in your head, will you give God a moment just to open up your heart? A lot of times we fear God. Do you realize every encounter in the Bible is followed up by fear? Heaven on earth comes in the garden. God comes, and that's really the only peaceful conversation. The rest of the conversations with God, heaven coming down on earth through Jesus or through other ways, there's fear. When we encounter God and we encounter God in one of our problems, what happens is we are generally fearful. If you pray for something and something really happens, a lot of times you're like, is this real? Is this really happening? God is scary. God is fear. But it's the fear of the Lord, not in a negative way, but in a positive way. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of all wisdom. We are to have fear of God but in a healthy way, not in a negative way. Most of us fear God that he's this sky daddy looking over trying to destroy everything about you. And it's completely the opposite. He wants to be a part of everything about you. And he wants to engage in all the small things in your life. And he wants to be a part of the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. One of the great Clint Eastwood movies. So in the Bible, I just want to show through these four points in the Bible, and this is really the Christmas story. These four points of, of, of fear, and in those fears, we see what God says, and he answers the same way. Just like he would answer if you came to God today in your prayers tonight and said, Lord, I'm struggling over financial stuff. I'm struggling over my relationship. I'm struggling over the way I feel about you, God. He would give you the same answer that he would give three people in a group of shepherds. So here's three places of fear that we'll see today. And then we're going to see point, four points of God's comfort. In, in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, this is the story of Christmas. You see this man named Zechariah. Now listen, let's understand who this guy is. First of all, he's one of the leading priests in the town. He draws a straw and it's his day to go up basically on stage and communicate to the church. It really says he's going to go back to the holiest of holy and light incense. So his job today as a man of God is to go back and encounter God. And what he does is he encounters God. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zachariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel says this, as he would say to you, Don't fear, Zachariah, for God has heard your prayer. Your wife, who has been barren and is not with child, will give a son, and you will name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. With many will rejoice at, many will rejoice at his birth, for, the Lord, for, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Here's what we see here. A lot of times, one of our greatest fears is, is God even hear me? Because I've been praying for the last three minutes, and I don't really see him answering my prayers. Or I've been praying for the last three days or three weeks, but you see people in the Bible praying 5, 10, 25, 50 years for God to answer prayers. Because God's not worried about your time. He's worrying about you working through your stuff and working through your fears. Don't fear. Don't worry. Bible says, fear not, for I am with thee. Christ reminds us that he hears our prayers, and in his time and in his way, he gives you an answer. 
We might not like the answer, but that doesn't mean he doesn't hear you. And what you are supposed to ask is not why, God, why, but what, God, what can I learn and grow from this moment? How do we learn from fear? By giving it over to faith and accepting that God is here in the midst. If you don't have God in your life and you have fear, who else is going to come and minister to that fear? Where can you go? I mean, Starbucks baristas are pretty nice. What are they going to give you? Here's some extra caramel. Fear not. The solution is fear not for I am with you. In the Christmas story, we see this God, Jesus, we can call him Emmanuel because he is with us. A little, bit, a little bit later in the verse, we see Mary. Six months later, Elizabeth is now with child. And six months later, Mary has a very similar encounter with God. What would it look like if God spoke to you angelically today? Honestly, most of us would be in great fear. If not all of us. Mary has this same encounter. Here's what it says. The Gabriel angel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. What's Mary's response? It says she's confused and disturbed. And, and, and Mary is kind of analytical here too. Then she says, well, I'm trying to think about this. I think about one of my daughters here. It says this. Mary tried to think, what could the angel really mean? Right? All of a sudden, he's trying to understand, you've been favored, woman. Instead of just receiving it, Mary is in this place. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Do you realize that if you don't believe in God today, that you still have favor in God? Even if you're distant from God, you don't like God, you're, you think he's an evil person, you still have favor in his eyes. He still wants to give you grace and mercy. Here we see this. You have found favor, and she's confused. Do you know the favor that God gives all mankind is forgiveness? If you've ever tried to forgive someone in your life, you realize that if you've done it, it's probably not easy, and it was probably not on your own will. It was through the act of God. Forgiveness is a gift. New life is a gift. It's one of the things that we receive with Christ. You have found favor, and if you need a new life, or you need a new direction, or you need a, a, a new way to live, one of the gifts from God is new life. And the final gift that we could talk about is heaven. We talked about that yesterday. Fear not, for I am with you, and if you trust in me, and you make me part of your life, I will then bring you with he in heaven, and you will be able to experience more than you've ever imagined. Here's the third one. Guy named Joe. Joe's in a tough situation. I'm kind of paraphrasing. He's engaged, and his new fiance's got a baby bump. Pretty good Christmas story. And all of a sudden, as, as anybody's ever been in a relationship, the infidelity comes into your head. Where's the baby bump from? Especially because it's, we haven't been together. I don't know about you, but if you're in a relationship or you ever thought about marriage, this is the worst thing you can go through besides losing the partner. 
thinking about infidelity. Now, we never talk about this because it's only a couple weeks and it's a negative story and we're not going to talk about the fear that Joseph has. The Bible says that it's so much so that he's like, she's a good woman, maybe she just made a mistake, but I don't want to disgrace her because I really do think she's a good woman. So I'm going to quietly kind of separate her, possibly divorce. They weren't really married at the time. That's a good fear. That's a justified fear. That's not my baby bump. But here's what God says. It says, as Joseph, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Here at one of the greatest points of struggle in his life. Think about that for a second. Whatever relationship you've ever been in, he is ready to walk and all of a sudden God encounters him in the deepest struggle and says, fear not. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save many people from their sins. Here we see God at work. You know, it's hard to see God at work in our lives. You know what I've found out in my life? I don't always see God work in my life. You know what I need to have in my life to make sure that God is working? As I need to have other people in my life holding me accountable and part of my life so they can tell me, hey, Jeff, that was a little overboard. Or, Jeff, I really see you growing. And you have to make that effort to see God work. I have a handful of people that I communicate with and they hold me accountable. And in that relationship, I can see God working. We need to have those relationships. Here we see God at work. He's at work at the cross to save us, but he's also at work in our daily lives. What is a savior? A savior saves us from this world so that we don't go into darkness. We call this thing hell. That's great, but what do you do until we get to heaven? God wants to save us each and every day from ourselves and our selfish ways and our sinful ways. And our fearful lives and our fearful heads. He wants to save us so that we can be right with him. The cross and, and the death and the blood is fantastic. It's amazing. It's powerful. But it's also amazing to put Christ in the middle of your life, in the middle of your fears. And trust this verse, fear not, for I am with you. Here's the last one. It's a group of guys and they're shepherding. I don't know what that means, by the way. Got little piece of something in their teeth and they're shepherding. Probably at night sleeping and the shepherds are there and here's what it says. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Once again, church service. And you're here and all of a sudden the lights start flashing and I quit talking and everybody cheers and then the God shows up. He says, you should be laughing at J-Rod's jokes. They're good. Probably never happened, actually. And they're terrified. All throughout the Bible, these are just four, uh, four places where you see somebody's encountering God and they are in fear. It happens all throughout the Bible. We get fearful when we encounter God. It's scary, even to faithful people. But here's what happens. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born in Bethlehem. Christmas is about good news. It's about joy. I'm going to shock you, but I'm going to quote a Hallmark movie. It's for you, Dustin. I happened to turn on the TV after a bunch of friends were over at the house watching Hallmark, and I watched the very last three minutes of the movie, and here's what this lady said. She said, Christmas is about birth. Christmas is about love. It's about change. That's what Christmas is about. When we come tomorrow before God in our Christmas outfits, it's about love. It's about birth, birthing something new in your life. And it's about changing. Jesus Christ came into the world and changed everything. And Jesus Christ wants to come into your world and change everything. You know, what I found out is every day of my life is a gift. And if I'm living in worry and fear, I'm missing out on all the gift that God has for me. Every day is a gift. And I was at a church a couple weeks ago with my wife, and uh, I, I saw this pastor, one of my favorite pastors, Chris Brown, and he was saying, what happens if we lived a life where everything we were thankful for today, we would receive tomorrow? What would life look like? What would your life look like? How thankful would you be if you went a couple days without something that you really love? I think we have a little video to kind of help you show this. He's talking, hey, I'm awake, I'm alive. He opens up his wife's gift. I'm narrating for you guys. There's really good sound here. Kids come in. Electricity. Hey, honey, I got electricity. And it works. On, off. There's water, too. And it works. Guess what this is? You guys want to try it again? I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? <laughs>
What happens if, yeah, that was good. What happens instead of, uh, instead of fear, we lived in thankfulness? What happens if every day we were thankful and we went through this list and it was part of our everyday life? Life isn't about gifts from anybody else. It's from God. And the more that we're thankful for him, the more that we draw closer to him, the less we have in fear. And as we close tonight, we want to close and celebrate God. Walking away from our fear. If you're in fear today, as we pray, will you just give God that fear just for today? But here's the thing. If that fear and that worry comes back, will you give it away again? Just give it to God today and see what happens. And if it works for you, give it to him again. And again, and again, and again. And over time, you'll be thankful and your heart will be right and you'll see things differently. Isaiah chapter 22 talks about the solution to fear. It says, surely God is my salvation. There's really one saving grace in this world to your fear. Surely God is my salvation and I will trust and I will not fear. Trust is the output of faith. If I have faith, then I'm going to trust. And if I have trust and faith, I'm not going to be in fear. If you're living in fear, you're lacking those two. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength, my defense, and he has now become my salvation. Our salvation isn't a ticket to heaven. It is, but it's so much more. It's a daily life. It's a daily walk with a Savior that has great things in store for you. Give your fears to God and let him be a part of your daily life. Will you just bow your heads? Father, we are so thankful that people have come to celebrate you on this Christmas Eve. We are so grateful and thankful that they are here. And Lord, those that are riddled with fear and worry, we ask right now that you will give them a double portion of faith. A little bit of faith to spread throughout their whole life. And I pray tomorrow, Christmas morning, they will wake up full of hope, full of joy, and lacking fear and worry. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you and wants to know you, we'd love to invite them into the kingdom of God or recommit to that. If that's you today, I'd love to offer this this gift of salvation. If you just repeat after me in this prayer, you will be connected and you will give the greatest gift to this world yourself to God repeat after me Father forgive me come into my heart come into my soul and be my Lord and Savior you died and you rose again so that I may have everlasting life teach me how to not fear and worry through your Holy Spirit and walk with me as I become a disciple of Jesus Christ we love you King Jesus and all God's people said